Hey there, lifestyle, clothing optional thrill seekers. Ed and Phoebe here, and we've got a spicy announcement. Brace yourselves for Libertine Events 2024, the ultimate takeover experience, and it's gonna be wild. Find your tribe with Libertine Events, where you have access to private group chats, host-run seminars, and event surprises around every corner. Dive into the sultry world of Miami Vices this May, but hurry quick. It's already 70% sold out. You don't want to miss this opportunity to hang out with hosts like We've Got a Thing, Casual Swingers, Hump Day Quickies, and Expansive Connection, along with the driving force behind the whole event, Wanderlust Swingers. Save the dates in October because Libertine Events is bringing the heat to San Antonio with Senses 2024. We'll be there, as well as Average Swingers, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, Casual Swingers, Expansive Connection, DJ Life of Spice, and of course, Wanderlust Swingers. Be sure to use promo code SWINGERU, S-W-I-N-G-E-R-U, when you purchase your tickets to spice up your experience and support Swinger University. Once again, that's promo code SWINGERU. S-W-I-N-G-E-R-U at checkout. Get your tickets by clicking on the link in the show notes or visiting swingeruniversity.com slash libertine. Today on Swinger University, we're going to be talking to Jackie Golub. And uh, Phoebe, why don't you introduce her a little bit? Jackie is a sex therapist, coach, and holistic healer who works on incorporating sexual self-care into her practice with her clients. She's the owner of Shameless Therapy and Consulting Services at shamelesstherapy.org, where she works with individuals and couples in sex therapy, coaching, and holistic healing practices to explore how they live their best and shameless sexy lives. You can sign up for her newsletter on our website where she gives out lots of freebies and be sure to follow her on YouTube at sex therapy, sex therapist, Jackie. We will have these links in our show notes, by the way, and Instagram at sex therapist, Jackie for more freebies there also. Jackie also made a sexual self-care deck with questions. We love these types of little games. And so be sure to use, um, you, you can use that as a reflection tool to enhance your sexual care. So be sure to check that out. All right. So welcome, Jackie. We're, I must say, I am super, super, super excited to have you on today because I loved your about page and Everyone who's listening or watching, go to her about page because it is amazing. It's fun. It's honest. And I love that you're just so real and relatable. So I, it, I immediately connected to you because of that. And I think that's important when you're seeking counseling and therapy. You have to really be able to relate to that person. And in the sea of therapists out there, it's hard. Who do you pick, Right. So tell us a little bit about yourself, if there's anything that we missed. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And yeah, 
what you see is what you get with me. Take it or leave it. So a lot of people will know right off the bat, okay, Jackie, you're my jam. Let me reach out for therapy and coaching from you or peace out, boo. Like I'm on to the next one (laughs) and who can you send me to, right? And I'm good with that. I'm cool with that. And, you know, part of my brand with being shameless is to just put myself out there. I'm a person first and a therapist second. I've been a person for my whole life and I've been a therapist for a portion of that. So I think it's just important when we connect with therapists that we're searching online that we do feel that connection and we resonate with it. Like that's a great sign, Phoebe. Um, you know, how do I even know how to find a therapist near me? What do I need to do? And maybe it's just reading a little bit more on those websites and see if that connection is there specifically. So um, I am in Minnesota, um, Minneapolis, Minnesota is where my private practice is. And yeah, shamelesstherapy.org is where all those resources and links are too. I may have changed my YouTube name to at Shameless Jackie. I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm getting more into YouTube um, week to week, day to day and posting like one minute videos. And there's going to be longer interviews and such on there too, with different types of topics with sex, self shame, spirituality, any, if it starts with an S, it's probably on there. Let's be honest. I love the YouTube shorts because they're, people are doing them. They're short, they're informational. You can't look, get little bits of information to digest along the way. And you don't have to, you know, dive in deep. Sometimes you don't always have the time to do that. Um, I just learned the other day that drinking eight glasses of water is not necessary. That is like a myth. <laughs> Ah, really? I had no idea about that. It was (laughs) something devised by the the advertising, you know, moguls that wanting to sell, you know, more beverages. So it's not a thing. It doesn't make your skin look better. And yeah, see, and I learned that all on a YouTube short. That's super interesting. (laughs) Sex actually makes the skin look better and makes us look younger for those that are like, oh, I want to get rid of some wrinkles or whatever. And there's no shame on the wrinkles game either. Like, Right. <laughs> I get excited when I get wrinkles or if I get acne and I'm like, hey, still young at heart. We're like, yes, you <laughs> nice and wise. <laughs> like it's a back and forth. Thing, right? Yeah. right. Yeah. So I, I wanted to, well, I had a, uh, well, I have lots of questions. So how, how many people, what's your percentage of people that you counsel for just in, in open relationships versus, you know, closed relationships? Oh, totally. Yeah. So I'm not a math person. So I was like thinking about this a little bit. I think it would be anywhere when it comes to my couples um, and individuals that are particularly not partnered or anything like that, that may want to seek out, you know, open relationships in the future. It's probably around 35% to 50%. So a lot of times, yeah, I see couples that are coming in and they are trying to navigate um, ethical non-monogamy or polyamory, whichever word you choose to use, right? You do you. And then they come into me and they're like, oh, crap, Jackie, we tried to do this, but this is really difficult. How do we navigate, you know, our open marriage now or our relationship and really that's what sex therapy is for. One of the many things, which I think is huge. And when I do get those individuals or couples that are like, I'm really curious about what type of relationships are important for me in the future, because I think I am Holly and, you know, it means to love more and more than one person. And really like we're all Holly in different ways, whether or not we choose to admit it, like we can have love for multiple people in our lives. Right. You know, a little Holly. So I think that's a huge part for those folks that are coming in prior. I'm like, Yes, I'm so happy to be able to work with you prior to like jumping into some things because sometimes uh, we might have to move backwards a little bit. Right. 
Oh, kudos to the people that are proactive. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's really encouraging that that therapy is, you know, starting to really take a turn for the positive. That people don't just think it's weird and, you know, they always had such strange, you know, yeah, there's shrink, always been a know? stigma for yeah. I'm broken, therefore I'm going to a therapist to fix me. And right. I mean, probably philosophically, we're all a little broken, but you know. <laughs> but we're all just trying to figure it out. And really, you know, you guys offer all the great tools to help navigate certain situations in our life. And when we're in that situation, you know, we're too close, you know. And so having that third party to separate and see and referee, like every great team has a coach and a referee. So why not? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I love that you use that analogy because that's literally the one that I use with my couples. If it's like we're having conflict, how do we manage it here? We're feeling like opponents. Let's be a teenager, not a teenager here. Let's be a team here and let's work on some things together. Like how can we, can we put on the same jersey here? Can we, you know, come up with some plays out of our playbook in a way like how to manage conflict and in different situations and scenarios, we got to play for that. That also works with pleasure too. It also works with, you know, that analogy with, opening up our marriage or our relationship if we're not married to multiple people or partners that may as well. Should we just jump right into the some of the anxiety and shame that people experience in in their sexual relationships? And is it do you see the same for issue for closed relationships versus open relationships? And How is that changing? Do you feel like or see that people are are exploring their sexuality more and they're trying to expand and grow past the, you know, the standard box that we all think is, you know, what we should be doing in the bedroom? So, yes, there's a lot of commonalities when it comes to anxiety and shame and also not only sexuality or, um, gender affirming care, right? Because that's a lot of what I do as well as a sex therapist, but as well as relationships. And a lot of people in our society see relationships as just like, okay, have one partner, get married, have the kids, have the house, have the dogs, do the damn thing, right? And that's not true for a lot of people out there. A lot of people don't want that. So we tend to assume that. And when we inadvertently assume that, that is a shame trigger for us. So it can Mm -hmm. come up in relationships as well. And shame is overt and it's covert, right? So that one is more so covert where it's like, oh, wait, what? Like I have to do a double take. Why is someone placing their values of relationships on me when really like, don't yuck my yum, right? Like Emily Nagotsky said that, and that can be applied to relationships. And when it comes to um, folks opening up their marriage more and more, I think the pandemic gave us permission. You know, I think during this time, it gave us permission. We saw a lot more people um, like coming out, being vocal, you know, there's a lot of different things about sexuality that has, um, you know, celebrities giving people that permission to be seen, you know, with sexuality as well as gender. 
as well as open relationships and marriages too. And I think we felt kind of stuck at the beginning of it. And I think once we came out of it more and more and more, I mean, we could technically still say we're in a pandemic. I think it really had people look at themselves in the mirror and say, I don't have to do this anymore. And I'm going to give myself permission to be myself, live my best life and do me at the end of the day. And take it or leave it. People are going to love me. They might hate me. They might dislike me, but how do I truly feel about myself? Yeah. How do I feel about my marriage and or open marriage or relationships if I have multiple partners? And memory is such a beautiful gift. And I think when couples really want to be able to work on my memory or ethical monogamy and take those steps, what an incredible gift to give to your partner, especially mm-hmm. if sexuality, sexuality is range and change. A lot of times I see Couples coming to me for um, one partner is more kinky and the other is more vanilla. So, okay, well, can we talk a little bit about this in regards of how sexuality is fluid and it's changing? And can we have a play partner? How does that make you feel? And there's a lot of things with jealousy that might come up, which, again, she might come in with that, too, Mm -hmm. of like, I feel ashamed because now I'm jealous of my partner. I love my partner. I want my partner to experience pleasure. I can't give them that pleasure. And sometimes that's where that individual piece with anxiety and shame and sex comes in as well. Um, We work on those things and we take it one step at a time too. And I think it's just this piece of the past couple of years or so has really been way more common. I've seen um, be it in different situations and scenarios. And that's just one example I see quite a bit and quite often when folks are coming to therapy as well. Want an adventure that will give you memories for a lifetime? We've been on three bliss cruises, and they were filled with daily sexy activities, great conversations, evening theme parties, and exciting memories. There's something for everyone, no matter where you are in your lifestyle journey. All are welcome. Book your cruise through our link and create your unforgettable experience, moments, and smiles. Visit swingeruniversity.com forward slash vacations and book your trip today. Yeah, and I I experienced I guess I I had to analyze a lot, not a lot. Well, yeah, probably a lot. There were some jealousy things that came up for us as well, and I had to really look at that and I realized that in in those situations it was me really kind of just being envious because I you know, I was either feeling left out or I was envious of the attention that Ed was getting or somebody else was getting, or I was envious of the fact that I couldn't feel as open as these other people in the room, just prancing around in their lingerie, doing their stuff. And I was like, wow, how are they so comfortable? And it made me feel really awkward and sometimes that jealousy feeling. But when I really started to, to look at it, I was like, I was envious. And so I started to just take charge and go, well, I'm just going to insert myself in there. You know, if, you know, Ed is getting pleasure from somebody and I look over there and, you know, I'm feeling a little left out, then I'm just going to insert myself in there. I'm going to participate. Why sit on the sidelines? And for me, that, that kind of helped that process to just get involved. And so how, what kind of tips or tricks or things do you have that you can share with people that 
you know, find themselves in these envious or jealous situations. And, and and I know there's a vast array of them. How do you, are there techniques or, or what? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot, right? Um, and that's, you know, I like how you talked about the emotions piece of it, because sometimes it's honestly honoring that and naming it. Sometimes it's saying, okay, I noticed that this jealousy is here. I noticed that this envy is here. And is this potentially connected to shame here? You know, can I work with these emotions? You know, because sometimes feelings, we can choose to feel that way too and then be stuck in them. Or can I embrace them? And can I move some things and take those steps forward? One of the common things is really being honest and honoring your experience and know that like shame with sex, relationship, sexuality, you know, it's a never ending process because we're constantly growing and evolving. I think it's one of those things where it's also incorporating some self-compassion. And Kristen Nath, she is the Michael Jordan of like self-compassion in the therapy world. Um, she's absolutely wonderful. I incorporate her work quite a bit in sex therapy. And the short of it is, you know, treating yourself as if you how you treat a friend in these moments, right? So if in that particular mm. example, you saw a friend on the sidelines and they were like, I'm really envious or jealous right here, you know, I might say to them, you know, if you feel comfortable, like get in there. Like I see your envy, I see your jealousy and, you know, I'm honoring that. Like I could see you, you know, doing some things in this moment to really take care of yourself. Like what do you need to do to take care of yourself? I'm here for that support and I'm here to be present with you. And, you know, how can I support you? How can I comfort you? And what can we do some, what can we do some things here to embrace the emotions? How can we kind of move forward, right? Um, and I also think it's remembering the why behind it, like in anything in life, right? What is your why when it comes to being in an open relationship or marriage, having multiple partners or spouses in some, some countries or cultures or whatever it might look like? What is the why? What is the motivation? And also, what's my partner's why too? And let me remember these things because that's important. And that might be a foundation of potentially a relationship contract that has been worked out and negotiated in therapy or um, between partners and parties and everything like that. And so it's also this, you know, reminding of ourselves of noticing, okay, what is the why? Where in my body can I feel this envy, this jealousy here? How can I work with them a little bit? Can I be befriended? You know, can I sit in it for a little bit? And how mm-hmm. long is too long? And how long um, isn't enough? And really discerning and gaining that awareness of when shame or emotions or big feelings are in the room and noticing, what do I do here? Like, what is my game plan? Can I come up with some ideas and and, and solutions? And I really think that's tricky, too. We have to balance it. Um, You know, left part of our brain is logical thinking, problem solving, go, 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 like the prefrontal cortex at the top here. And underneath, when our amygdala gets triggered, you know, we have to self-soothe this a little bit. In that example that you shared, you might have been like, okay, I need to take some deep breaths. I need to maybe put my hand on my chest, maybe on my belly and do some belly breathing here and get grounded and put my feet on the ground. Maybe I need to be able to like talk myself up and say, you know what? I got this. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to move forward. Like they look like they're having pleasure. I want to have pleasure. I want some of that too, right? So it recreates a different type of positivity feedback loop in any narrative. And I really think it's just being kind and gentle with ourselves because 
shame work cannot be rushed and emotions oftentimes cannot be rushed. And when we do that, we're building a trust floor with ourselves to then engage with other people to build and foster that trust floor when it comes to sex. And that's huge. And some questions I have folks folks ask themselves and reflect on is, why do I want to work on my shame related to sex? What are the consequences if I don't? And what are the pros if I do? So breaking some things down. Sometimes it's, I joke with my clients, I'm like, yeah, if you're going to do therapy with me or coaching me, I uh, suggest you get a journal because there's a lot of techniques and, you know, it's not just about writing, it's also about remembering. When people Mm -hmm. say um, communication is key, I think that's BS. It's comprehension is key Mm -hmm. because we need to remember, we need to apply it, we need to practice how we play. And when we have that pleasure playbook or communication playbook or whatever kind of playbook it may be, we can go back and use some things from there, those tangible pieces. So those are different kinds of tips. And if you can really being able to work with a provider, um, be it a therapist or a coach that really, really, really niches in this work, because they're going to know how to help with it as well. There's all these different types of things coming up. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Comprehension is key. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. And I... I think a lot of, there is definitely a segment of the lifestyle that's very, very, um, very party, you know, and just um, kind of upper level, right? I, I imagine this, I don't have the words for it, but it's, it's, it, you're, it's high, you're party, you're partying, right? You're up in your, in your top part of your head and you're like, woo, you know, this is all titillating, inciting, da, 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 da. But what I which is fine. And you need that social element to connect with people and to develop relationships and et cetera, et cetera. But I think what also happens is people will use substances to, to mask or to hide. I've seen it a lot in the chat forums where people are using things to mask and hide their anxiety and they're not really and So they're, they're just kind of delaying the inevitable that, you know, something will come out. And I, and I encourage those individuals to, to, you know, seek, you know, seek within or, you know, reach out to, to a therapist because there's so much more to the lifestyle than just the party. Um, Those deeper connections where you, if you're lucky enough to find a couple that you're really comfortable with, you can be in that bedroom and you can go, wow, I really want to experiment with this. I want to really want to try this, but I'm really uncomfortable. So if, if I happen to touch you or if I happen, you know, to say, I, you know, I need to take a breath. Would you be able to honor that for me? And we've used this technique with other couples in the room where there's just so much stimulus. I mean, for crying out loud, how many of us are using, we used to seeing live sex in front of us, let alone right next to us where we can touch somebody right. and, and then to have sex with somebody else. I mean, it's just, it, it just keeps going. And so I'm, I'm very sensory I get sensory overload very quickly. And so I needed time to just kind of step back and breathe through all the emotions and stimulus that was happening because it was overwhelming. And we were doing this sober. So I was like, I can't imagine what it was like. Uh, you know, maybe a substance would have helped. But but I we had a couple that was just really nice and compassionate and they totally understood and they said oh yeah you know 
If you need to, need to step back, take a breath, right. you need to reconnect with your partner, do it, right? And we did that. And we, you know, Ed and I would come back, we'd reconnect, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm good. Let's get back to some other fun stuff. Let's try this, you know? Yeah. And Hey there, podcast listeners. You've been tuning into our episodes, but have you ever wondered about the steamy details of our adventures or maybe hungry for some sultry, erotic stories? Well, guess what? We've got something special just for you. Our exclusive Patreon page. It's like a VIP pass to the saucier side of our world. So if you're ready for an exclusive behind-the-mic experience, head over to our Patreon page now. Trust us, this is where the magic happens. See you there, patrons. We've tried to set that kind of baseline understanding with couples that we play with as well and basically just go, look, it's okay. Like, this is your primary partner and you guys have to be 100% on board. So take a moment if you need to. And it's amazing to watch their reaction to that be like oh i feel like you can see their anxiety just like drop out of them and they're way more comfortable and everybody's more relaxed and the rest of the evening is a lot more fun yeah i just yeah i just wish that it wasn't as difficult to find that one partner that you can at least for us I, I think it depends on part of the country. <laughs> we, You're talking about play partners? Yeah, because yeah. they just, they come and go so quickly. So, I mean, you, you're lucky if you get a partner where you can you know, kind of role play and do work through things together. Right. But a lot of times you can't and you need extra support and help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's great that what both of you are saying too, like giving permission is huge. And sex, there's this book where it's called Beyond Shame that I just finished this week. It's on Audible. It's great. It talks about creating healthy sex sexuality in your own terms. And it also talks about, um, you know, it, it does talk about like some religious cultures and some different messages that we get about sex and our sex yeah. education and different paradoxes. And one of the paradoxes that they were talking about um, was sex is healthy and risky. How, like there are risks because there are no guarantees with sex. And we also need to be able to communicate and it's our responsibility to check in with like all partners and parties when it comes to sex and look for those body cues and scan and talk about those things too and check in. And it's also like when we do that, that's the healthy sexuality there is noticing and and noticing when consent changes in the room, like you said, Ed, like, right. It's like, Oh, I'm noticing, you know, or maybe feeling anxious right now or nervous. Do we need to pause for a minute here or do we need to stop altogether? Right. And giving right. those options too, and like the different types of self-soothers. And I think with anxiety and sex, like sometimes with substances too, like some people will say, I'm really nervous. So um, performance anxiety and substances can just be kind of difficult for some people because then maybe not everything um, properly works out. Maybe it's harder to maintain erections. Maybe it's hard to, um, you know, really experience the full pleasure of it. Yeah. And then there might also be a little bit of like substances where it's like, okay, well, that's mine. Um, or two is an aphrodisiac and I feel fine. Like I'm not, um, you know, 
falling down drunk or anything like that, right? But it enhances a pleasurable experience in a way as well. And so it's just those conversations and those different types of stimulants um, to be aware of or just like aphrodisiacs or, you know, whatever it might be within the context of the environment in the room. Um, those different factors are definitely important too. And I just love how you both said that because it's definitely important to have that caution, that care, that communication. Um, what's the fourth C? I always forget it. Consent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and BDSM and King, duh, Jackie. Um, I always forget caution for some reason with that theory, but it's like truly those things are being applied to play and it can be applied to like any type of play or sex with partners, new partners, because even then, consent can change too. Yeah. Right. right. We've been talking a lot about open relationships and mm -hmm. couples who are in open relationships and the shame and the, the stigma. We get it, right? Like we're doing something that's kind of atypical for the norm, the norm right? The societal norm is monogamy or serial monogamy, right? You've got one partner forever, and we're kind of breaking those rules. So I get that there's going to be some internal turmoil and some reprogramming that you have to do to become comfortable with that. Or just in, you already embraced it, which is what we found with some individuals, which is amazing, right? Like they never had that wiring. Like it never occurred to them that this wasn't normal. Super cool. Great for them. Where So because you counsel and coach uh, couples who are not only in open relationships, but in traditional relationships, do you see a higher percentage of shame or is it kind of just across the board? It is across the board. <laughs> I laugh because um, I was just even having coffee with someone today and we were just talking about how shame is just in all these different areas of our life. And you know, it's not just relationships, it's not just sex, it's not just um, you know, communication, it's, it's not just gender, it's so many areas. And it is across the board. Um, to be quite honest, if I were to get um, an individual or a couple I was like, Jackie, I have no shame here or whatever. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> well, what's your secret? What are your tips? What can you teach me then? And right. I would just kind of be skeptical. I'd be like, well, what do you need me for? You know? And I think that it's beautiful that there are couples and individuals out there where maybe they didn't grow up in um, a shaming like era when it comes to sex, relationships, gender, sexuality, right? So many different components. And I think that could also be a cultural thing too, mm -hmm. depending on where in this world, like in the United States, we are ahead on some things and we are so far behind on some things right. and we're obsessed with sex. So it's like, <laughs> how do we have all these different um, opposing thoughts and feelings about sex in this country? It's just very odd. Right. Um, yeah. So it's across the board when I see people working with me on a lot of different things with shame. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting because We've gotten more comfortable with our open sexuality and expressing ourselves and being out on YouTube talking about these kinds of things, right? Like we're really leaning into it, but we still struggle with a lot of those body image issues and 
performance and size. And, you know, there's still a lot of those issues that I think every individual kind of goes through um, in their own head. Do, do you have, do you have some techniques for trying to getting through your own personal, like, I guess, body image issues and things, you know, tips? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so again, self-compassion is a huge one. And just even for myself, I will share, I'm 5'2". I used to weigh 195. I now, I lost 65 pounds. So, you know, it, it, it looks different on me, right, over time. And so some of the things that I had to do because I knew how I felt about myself wasn't just going to be physical, it was really going to be mental and emotional, right? And so with that, I think it was really just choosing not to beat myself up. It was choosing Mm -hmm. to be able to say like, hey, Jackie, like, you're beautiful. I love you. Let me look in the mirror and tell you that every single day. And also sometimes when it comes to body positivity, that's a really hard thing. those are really hard words for some people. So it can be body yeah. neutrality, right? Yeah. So that would be one of the things that I would practice personally because, you know, it's going to be um, just like, oh, be positive, right? Like that can be, uh, was it positive toxicity or whatever? And that can be shaming in some ways. Yeah. Like, can we honor like, okay, Jackie, you feel, you feel like crap today, right? And can we honor your body and just thank yourself for like drinking a glass of water? thanking your body for being able to walk up and down the stairs. Thank your body for going outside for a 10 minute walk or just like feeling the wind on your face. Can we thank your body to be able to do some of these different kinds of things? That was a piece there. Um, And also accepting that, you know, I think when it comes to size, like not just like with body and genitals and different types, you know, of genitals in general, I think it's an ongoing practice to be able to, say and talk to our genitals like hi vulva how you doing looking good today what's up (laughs) right like being able to talk to ourselves in a way as well and in a very um you know passionate way and also be able to use the anatomical like biological terms because we might say hands and like elbow and we might be told like oh no it's the vagina it's not a vulva like no like let's use the proper terms and Mm -hmm. let's educate folks on the proper terms so there's some pieces there. Um, and I would say it's a slow process too. And I think sometimes with shame, we wonder, well, okay, well, what if I'm doing this wrong, Jackie? Well, mm-hmm. you're even doing it right then because you're tracking and cueing into yourself what's working and what's not working. And what works for me, like, and I always tell folks this in therapy, like, what ideas do you have? Because I can give you a ton right off the bat, right? right. And those may not be helpful and they may... Um, you know, they may essentially be ones that you come up with yourself. So there's a lot of different things. Um, visualizations is another one that I mm-hmm. use quite a bit and quite often. So that can be, um, you know, I use a, a shameless um, guided imagery uh, exercise when it comes to working on confidence and body image and, and that in therapy too, like envision and imagine what it would be like to show up as your shameless, most confident, sexy self. And that's so different for everybody, right? But just even having that question as a prompt out there can get the brain going a little bit. Um, visualizations too of maybe like maybe there's a motivational post, uh, post, be it a quote, be it a picture, be it something that makes you feel good about your body as well. And when our bodies change and we age with sex, mm-hmm. I think it's also working on um, 
the, like I have a sex messages deck where it's like different reminders. And one of the cards in there literally says like, I am accepting that the sex that I have in my 60s is not going to be the same that I have in my 20s. And I love my body anywhere. I'm learning about my body anywhere. Something like that, right? So I think it's also this idea of we need to normalize in society too that sex is not just for young, 20-year-old, able-bodied people. Like sex is for everybody and right, every right. age and every person in the world. Um, that's a lot of different yeah, I, <laughs> I I think that's really important. I love that you brought that up about sex changing in your 20s and in your 60s, you know, and in between. A lot of people that are in the lifestyle, I, although the younger generation is jumping into it now um, more so than, than before, but typically it's been, the you know, the, the couples that have had their kids, their kids are moved on, they're empty nesters, they have ex- expendable income, and they want to do something fun and different. Right. And But also, you know, those women are in perimenopause or menopause. And so now there's all these hormone issues and changes within your body and your mental state and how you feel about your body and what your body's doing and the changes that those occur. And it it really messes with you. And it's it's it just adds this exponential factor on top of trying to navigate an open marriage. And so having started swinging, I think when I was very menopause and then now in menopause, it was like, Oh my gosh, what a challenge. And having to be compassionate to my body and myself to go, you know, I just don't feel sexy today. My body, it just feels like it needs rest. And you know what? It's okay if we don't go to that you know, swinger party, it's okay if we cancel that date because why force it? I'm not going to, you know, right. I'm not going to force something that I'm just not feeling. And, mm-hmm. and that, I think that compassion and there's just so much about swinging that's about the self and self-discovery. And then again, with your partner, it's right. just huge. And that's what I love about it because I'm, I'm constantly growing and changing and I'm, I'm like a sponge. I want to know it all. And, you know, I, I'm always learning things about myself (laughs) and swinging and opening our relationship has just expanded this whole other world to me and things that I worked on in my twenties through 10 years of therapy I realized, oh, crap, you know, that was pretty deep-seated, you know, the, the shoulds and whatnots from society. That that little piece is still there. I guess I got to look at that again. And that's okay, you know? Yeah, we've found that the, the things that you may have resolved, personal body issues, um, relationship issues, they change and and having to re-resolve them when you get into a different dynamic, right? It's like the context has changed. Yeah. So now you have to look at that same issue from a totally different lens. Um, context is crazy what it does. Like you may have been able to have sex with the lights on with your partner, right. but now that you've got six people in the room, <laughs> That's it's not a little okay. different, right? Like everybody can see you now, not just, you know, uh, it's all right if she sees or he sees. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
And that's the part about like the body changing and health and some different kinds of things. I don't think, you know, 30, 50 years ago, I think sex therapy is honestly a newer field. And because of that, I want to learn and absorb everything too. And also a part of the therapy work truly is bibliotherapy because 30% of the reason why people come to see me is uh, sex therapy, like disorders, diagnoses, symptoms are health related. 70% mental health related. And so when I see folks that are coming to me, you know, sex maybe later on in life, um, they're like, well, have you worked with a couple like us before? Yes, I have. (laughs) And what resources are you looking for? How can I help? You know, some people are like, well, I'm past 50. So I would like resources on sex after 50. Um, Naked at Our Age by Joan Price is a really great one. Joan Price is amazing when talking about body changing and sex changing, aging. Um, when we were talking about like perimenopause, menopause, What Fresh Hell Is This by Heather Karina is an amazing, fascinating book. Um, personally, I say listen to it um, versus read it because the book um, is actually very entertaining with the the, educa- or the education and the phrasing. And the last piece of it too um, is andropause, and that is more so um, men who whose bodies are aging around age 40, like a little bit earlier, and during that time and after are also going through changes. And so a lot of times um, when I work with men in therapy, they're like, why does it take me so long to have an erection or maintain an erection? Right. And we look at some things, like we look at getting a thyroid test, checking T levels, making sure you're getting your annual physical. Um, if you are experiencing with alcohol or drugs, that'll definitely influence sexual libido. Um, you know, eating habits, lifestyle habits, exercise. Like if you are exercising, that's a great way to get blood flow to the genitals. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different factors and things. And sometimes like, yes, there can be a med for that. And that's great. And sometimes clients are like, I don't want to take another magic. I'm over it. What can I do naturally to pump up my libido? And that's when we talk a little bit about some natural remedies and holistic healing kind of components there. With oh, nice. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I don't know about that. Bad. I want to also know how couples can listen actively and compassionately to their partner are there ways that you could uh, suggestions do you have suggestions ways that they could do that Um, techniques I don't know is Mm -hmm. it oh hell yes (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot so I talk about shameful versus shameless communication skills and here's the brief breakdown like shameless um, communication skills 101. So ask how come instead of why. Mm. Ask um, or use the word and instead of but. Um, say could instead of should. Mm. Um, and say I instead of you. Watch any reality TV show, Real Housewives. You should do this. You should do that. <laughs> okay, well, now I want to fight you, right? right. Like we get triggered then. Right. Those responses immediately put your partner or other people in your life on the defense. So that's like the shortest ones when it comes to shame, blame language, and we want to blame somebody else, we're going to get that response back. And so um, 
that's something where there's a lot of techniques. Sometimes it's journaling even, and it's repeating back and forth. John and Julie Gottman, they do a lot with um, couples therapy and they, they wrote the book, like the, I don't remember 10 principles for making a marriage work and eight perfect dates. And they talk about really writing and listening and cueing in can be helpful for some people. Um, honestly, I say get off technology, turn your phones off, get away from screens and do some things around comfy communication. If there's some hard topics or conversations that are coming up and also ask for consent and boundaries. So if I want to have, um, let's say my partner's name is Matt and I'm like, Hey Matt, I would really like us to have a conversation later about the last time we had sex. Um, you know, I'm thinking it could maybe take around 20, 30 minutes, depending. It might be more, it might be less. Do you have the capacity to emotionally be available for me like tomorrow or today, even at this time or this time, right? And, you know, Matt might say, yes, absolutely. Matt might say, no, can we hold it off until this day and this time? Or Matt may not even give me um, a response or an answer. So then it's on me to be able to say, hey, if this is really important and I'm holding myself accountable to, you know, my sexual boundaries, if it's a conversation about consent or something changing, right? Well, Matt, I want to give you a couple different times here for us to be able to talk. So A, B, C, could you please pick one for me? I would greatly appreciate it. It's really important that we discuss this, right? And I also think it's um, important. I see a lot of couples, well, I don't want to trigger my partner. Well, you know what? The partner is in charge of their self-soothing techniques and strategies, such as like taking some deep breaths, you know, maybe being able to... Um, have a glass of water, maybe have a weighted blanket that can kind of make you feel grounded and cozy or comfy, going to a space in your home where it feels like we can have comfy communication and conversations there, right? And also to be able to have that intention of what do I need and what don't I need? And I do this a lot with relationships in my life. Like, hey, I just need to vent for a minute here. And people that I've talked to about that, that means don't advice give, don't tell me feedback. I just need to vent and get this out, right? And if I'm asking for feedback, and I don't even like the word advice because it's shaming and we automatically think, oh, I can just tell you what I think. And I don't I don't use that word as a therapist. I use feedback. Um and we unsolicitedly give advice when we don't mean to. We try to help and then we can shame right off the bat. So I might say, hey, I need some feedback on this. Do you have the capacity for a five-minute phone call later today at this time or this time, right? There's some pieces there. I also think when it comes to couples listening actively and compassionately to their partner, it's also important to understand and learn if they have been taught empathy as well as um, you know, what their partner needs when it comes to emotions and communication. Um, kind of like I said, some people like with the hand brain, so prefrontal cortex, problem solving, uh, forming sentences. This is our fight, fight, freeze here, the survival instincts back here. Underneath that is the amygdala. So if I am triggered and I'm just like, I need to vent right now, my partner's coming in like this. Argument, conflict, fight, not going to get better when I need my partner to be here with me, mm. right? So I need them to sit in the emotions with me. And then I need to be able to soothe my emotions to be able to then come back and see if I need to problem solve or we come back later and pause it and come back another day when I'm ready to have that round two of a conversation. So I think it's good to be 
taught accurate empathy, have those conversations of what you do need and what you don't need from your partners during those times, use shameless communication skills, and that was a brief way, um, actively listening, like show eye contact. And I know that can be difficult for some people, some cultures, and also eye contact is difficult. Can you shake your head? Can you say like, okay, I'm going to give you a thumbs up. I'm listening and I'm just going to be taking notes. Like, okay, I've got it. I'm, I'm tracking with you. Um, so that's a lot of things. And yeah. I think shame and communication go together so much. Oh, yeah. I, I liked the technique that you recommended. And I think we've had good experience with that um, in terms of kind of preparing your partner for the general subject so that they can, they can either get into that mind space to have that conversation. And it's um, some of that, the, the venting, I just need to vent. That's great. Cause it, it basically sets up, okay, what's my part in this conversation? Like what, what are the expectations? And particularly the preparation for down the future, it's not coming up to your partner and going, I need to talk to you and, about something, right? Like that immediately sets you up for like, oh, what did I do wrong? Versus the, hey, it's not that big a deal. Don't like get all anxious about it. We can we can work through this. It's just something I need to talk to you about. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, when you got a minute? Yeah. Yeah. Or let's set mm-hmm. some time aside tonight to, you know, hang out on the back patio and yeah, talk about our day and. I think most of our really good conversations that we had early on in the lifestyle were those kinds of conversations where it was just an hour in the backyard sitting next to the little fire that we had set out there and just processing stuff. And it was it was expected that both of us were going to have some emotional component to the conversation. And that set us up for that empathy, that it, it it's okay. Like your feelings are valid. My feelings are valid. Let's just talk about our feelings and figure out where we're at. And we'll solve this together. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. And setting that intention too, right? Like I think so many times we're worried about triggering other people. Well, who does that serve? Probably nobody in the situation, to be honest. So it's okay to say, I don't want to trigger this. And I feel it is important to talk about this because blank, right? Like also leaning in with those intentions too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of emotional maturity swinging, I think, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it, it, it stretches and challenges the relationship and the ability to, to be honest and vulnerable with your partner, even though, you know, you may have been with them for years and years and years. I mean, having, you know, saying it out loud, you, once you say something out loud, it makes it real, you know, and saying out loud to your partner, you know, I really would like to experience sex with other people. And to say that out loud and not have your partner get up and leave the room, like, you know, that's your greatest fear, right? That they're going to just, you don't really know what they're going to, you think maybe they'd be okay, but you don't really know. And so it's, not until you it's put it out there. Scary, and then you know to have to to do that, and then and then deal with that, and yeah. So we've we've had a few of those moments. They were scary moments, but we're still here. We're still here. <laughs> we got through it. We, we got, got through it. it. <laughs> I want to talk about the different pleasure zones and how 
couples can focus on that, whether they're just in their own bedroom or maybe they're, you know, with another couple. What are these, what are these pleasure zones? I want to know. So I'm going to work backwards with this question. The whole body is an erogenous zone. I know Monica Geller on Friends was like seven, 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 and there's only seven main zones. <laughs> the whole, whole, whole body is an erogenous zone. And I think it's important to note that this changes based off of every person and everyone's body. Like everyone is different. So what you might like, partners may not. What you might like, your spouse may not like, and vice versa. And that's okay. One isn't better than the other. No, it's just helpful to understand that, you know, it's a whole body experience and to also make sure we ask for consent before we touch different areas Mm. of the body too. Um, So first people definitely individually need to focus in on their bodies before telling a partner those areas and doing some body mapping. Um, And that's a part of solo sexual self-care. That's being intimate with ourselves where we can explore the parts of our body that are those pleasure zones and those pleasure enhancers. And then it also goes back to like this idea, well, if I don't understand my body, then how am I going to expect a partner to understand my body? How am I going to be able to communicate that to but then it does go back to that communication piece a little bit and then being able to practice this in the mirror too. Um, a lot of times I will say, go masturbate in the mirror, learn about your body, learn about the areas. Oh. And I don't just mean just go for the genitals. No, I mean like focus on everything. And if you want a couple different exercises or like I like to call them exercises with mirror masturbation, can you add in like a feather? Can you add in a whip? Can you add in a paddle? Can you add in some other sensory types of things for stimulation? Can you use, you know, your sex toy wand, not just on your genitals, but on other areas in your body too, right? Um, so there's also some pieces to play around with that. And just to remember that like our partners aren't mind readers and that's the thing that we have to be mindful of and pay attention to when we come back and communicate. And that's why I think the journaling of that is a great exercise when we do body mapping with pleasure, uh, zones and areas of the body. And then we're able to communicate and relay that message back. Um, common pleasure zones, right? So for some people, even people getting like head tickles and scratching, oh, that can yeah. be relaxing for lots of people, right? It can, if we're going so from head down, like kissing the neck for some people, some people like also near nibbles um, or even like sticking tongue in someone's ear. Me personally, I like that. My partner doesn't like that, right? So again, goes back to that idea of your partner and or um, spouse's bodies are different than yours, but that's a piece to be mindful of. And to see if you can do this exercise together and multiple times in the future, because the body, we are sexually evolving and sexually fluid beings. And so that's important to be aware of too. Um, eye contact can be a pleasure, uh, a pleasure zone for people. If I were to, you know, sit across from my partner, some people will, um, believe it's tantric sex, they will sit in their partner's lap and they will do this eye gazing activity mm-hmm. for two to three minutes and try to go back and forth and communicate, you know, different things just with their eyes, not their mouth. And that can be a pleasure zone for some people being able nice. to do that. Um, of course, like kissing, right? And tongue, no tongue, whatever that might be, that is a pleasure zone. Um, sometimes that can, again, be enhanced. Like um, some people might like 
um, rough up, like to be roughed up a little bit and like run around, like push me up against the wall while you kiss me, like get your whole body into it. Put your chest on my chest. Like that's a huge component for some people too. Yeah. Um, breast and nipple play can be really sensitive for some people and people can have nipple orgasms, right? Like that can be, you know, from, um, you know, like tongue stimulation that can be from like sex toy stimulation that can be from a sex toy that has like the tongue in it stimulation, mm-hmm. nipple clamps that can be from a lot of different things as well. Um, even being tied up and then having the breast be like very, very tied up and like tight around and such that can enhance nipple play pleasure too. Um, and that can be very sensitive for some folks. So it's like one of those areas proceed with caution and, and just always continue to ask partners about this. For some people, kissing along the stomach, that may be pleasurable. For others, mm. it may be that's really ticklish. Some people might be like, oh, I want to amp that up and pour like hot fudge on my partner here and lick it off or do some like, um, like use food. Like when it comes to sex, yeah. use some different right. types of things. Um as well as, you know, inner thighs can really be a big one with kind of like slapping or patting for some people, right? Um, some vulva owners have like reported that um, that enhances like internal vaginal pleasure from what I've read um, and just overall pleasure from like spanking a little bit on the inner thighs. And then also like underneath the buttocks where there's a little bit more fat like that, that part of the butt where there's more fat there and it's essentially like a little bit more round and maybe cakier, I might say. Right? That might be more pleasurable for people to spank right underneath the hair. Nice. Um, other pieces, obviously the clit, tip of the penis, the testes. The vulva, labia minora, majora, the vagina, like all these different areas can be enjoyable as well as anal play too. And for some people, anal play for them, some people might be like, okay, I want anal penetration. Other people, anal play might be like, I just want you to caress like around like it's a button or whatever. Maybe I want a finger or maybe I want a plug or maybe I want a, a vibrator or maybe I want something like anal vibrating beads, whatever it might be. That could be arousing for some people and for others, maybe not as much. And there are also different orgasms when we have anal sex too, as well as oral, nipple orgasms, there's exercise orgasms, orgasms is one of them that people will call um, mm-hmm. that at the gym as well. Some people will admit to having orgasms at the gym because <laughs> of shame and embarrassment. And it's, it's happened for folks, um, mm-hmm. as well as the back of the thighs, you know, the calves. For some people, feet can be a really big turn on too, um, because the part of our brain, um, it's common for folks to have foot fetishes. And I get that question a lot. Like, why is a foot fetish so common, Jackie? And it's because the part of the brain um, where the feet is next to is like the pleasure part, like the signal where the feet get pleasured in the brain is next to the pleasure part. So some people have fetishes, foot fetishes because of that. And it might be a little bit bigger, that gland in there. Um, so some people are more aroused by this. Some people are like, don't you dare touch my feet or you're going to get kicked. <laughs> like, Don't do it. And that can also range and change. Like it's not just a this or a that. There can be that whole middle, but it's really like the entire body is um, a pleasure zone. And sensate focus sex is something that I will do because desire discrepancies for couples is the number one thing that I do see for couples in yeah. sex therapy. Hmm. So we will do sensate focus, um, pleasure activities, which really is a lot of body mapping, 
but it, it, it starts with like coming up with four weeks of a game plan and it starts with just kissing clothes on. Then it's kissing and like being in underwear. And then it's kissing, being able to caress the body. Don't have like any orgasms or anything like that because then it's just going to increase that pleasure and that desire. And then week four is you are able to have sex and everything. Like that. Wow. So a lot of times it's slowing down the process to increase that desire and that pleasure. So the whole body is a pleasure zone. I, wow. That's fascinating. I, yeah. I like that. And I think the the thing about that exploration with your partner, but also with yourself helps you figure out which zones work for me. And I think if you, if you don't know what your own zones are, if you don't know what turns you on because you haven't played enough, it's going to be impossible for a partner to figure that out. It, it takes time to figure that out. But if you can communicate that, and this is something we've been talking about in a lot of our episodes lately, the ability to tell your partner what you like and what you don't like. I like several things that you brought up. One about if you're if you're going to explore somebody else's part of their body, so in a play situation, the one thing that came to mind was someone had a foot fetish, but they didn't ask first. Hmm. So there was no you know, consent given. My foot was in the air because I was on my back and I was being pleasured. But then all of a sudden he grabbed my foot and he decided to shove one of my toes up his nose. And then he said, your feet smell too clean. <laughs> and I was really confused because I didn't know about foot fetish. I didn't, I didn't understand what he was doing. First, I thought he was just itching his nose with my toe until he wanted to shove it up his nostril. And I, in the moment, I was kind of like, okay, this is a little different, you know. <laughs> but then when he went on to explain that my, you know, foot smelled too clean, then, then I was offended. And I was, and then he went on to explain how his other girls will wear their shoes for, you know, all day or several days until they're nice and smelly. And that really turns him on, which I appreciated the information because it was interesting and fascinating. I learned something new. But in the moment, I was like, um, now I just feel like I'm like useless to you. So we're, we're done with this experience. <laughs> and then I got up and I went to go play with somebody else. But I, I, it's interesting how that body pleasure and then and it, I don't think it, is explored enough in the swinging world. I know that the swinging world and the kink world are, are very separate. Um, they cross a little bit, but they don't. And some of the, the experiences I've had where you've got someone who's very much into kink and they would bring their toys with them to a swinger party, I've had some really nice experiences trying things that I never thought I would try. You know, like nipple clamps. I just thought, oh, those are just going to be you know, too painful. Um, but the type that they had were, were great. I would have never sought that out unless that person wasn't there, unless that, you know, I wasn't at that party or slapping the nipple with, you know, uh, a paddle. Didn't think I would like that. Or you, you talked about between the legs, you know, the, that the tapping of the, the vulva, uh, someone did that with a soft flogger on me. And I found that incredibly arousing. Who knew? 
I didn't know that, (laughs) but I don't even know if I would have been able to communicate that with Ed. We didn't even have a flogger in our house at the time. So like sometimes, you know, it takes that, you know, that other person in that different environment for experimentation and consent and for fun things to just happen. And that's, that's, that's occurred many times when, when we're, when we're playing is, you know, we, we discover things all the time that we just never thought of because, you know, you, it's just the two of you and you can't think of everything. Right. Um, and that's, Again, once again, what I love about the, the lifestyle and being able to express and experiment. And now I'm thinking we need to get crossover to the king world because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited about all these other things that you were talking about. I was like, ooh, you know, hmm, that could be some other fun pleasures to experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, even with some of those things too, I think the kink world, I think we can learn from the, you know, the vanilla community, the poly community, the swinging community. I think there are so many people in this world that can just learn from the kink community and learn from, you know, how do we have and navigate conversations about sex? How do we check in with each other? How do we have safe words? Like, I have safe words with my clients during sessions. <laughs> like if I'm going too deep with like what we're talking about or what we're processing today, right. what's your safe word? Like use that with me. And oh. then that's something that they're going to be able to apply outside of session, like in a, like with a play partner or during a scene or whatever it might be. And, you know, it's practice how you play, right? And I think the kink community um, really really models conversations around consent and caution and care and risk and awareness just so beautifully that I think anybody can really benefit from just learning those different types of principles. And one of the things, um, tools and resources that I love, well, there's two. Um, One is like a yes, no, maybe checklist where it talks about is this yes, is this no, is this maybe, and is this giving or is this receiving? And so in sessions with folks, I will ask follow-up because um again the body is a whole pleasure zone and that's important because there can be different types of sexual acts like spanking for example right where well what parts of your body are on or off limits with that right right? because this could go deeper and further and further and further and that's a nice tool and i also love the questionnaire where it's like um there's a short version and there's a long version if folks want to be able to check this out. And it's completely private to you put the privacy settings on there to fill it out. It's the BDSM and kink questionnaire, what sexual deviant are you? And it's really interesting because it shows people tangibly like, oh, I'm more kinky than I thought I was. And it's like, yeah. So what do you think about that? Right. And it opens that nice conversation around it too. Yeah. Well, I think we've answered everything we want. You've answered way more than what we we anticipated, and I love it because this this episode is just packed full of all kinds of great stuff. We're we're going to uh, put a lot of markers in this and and subjects because we covered so many great elements that I really want to share with everybody. But I want you to talk about your sexual self-care deck of questions with questions because you touched on it a little bit and I, I kind of got a glimpse of what they're like, but I need more explanation of what, what those are. 
Yeah. So essentially it's kind of a pick a card for that day, that week, or a couple days if you want to explore solo sexual self-care. So there's different types of exercises on there. So it's not just like masturbation or it's not just whatever. It's really questions um, about intimacy, pleasure, and sex. And so my deck is really used for reflection. It has different types of questions on there. Um, it has different kinds of things when talking about sexual health and wellness. Like one of the cards on there is like, oh, STD, STI check. When was the last time I, I got a checkup, right? Um, one of them is personal lube. And it, it talks a little bit about the different types of lube, like which one's the safest, which one to not use with condoms, which one's to not use with sex toys, and experimenting with lube a little bit more and figuring out, you know, thinking about, um, I made a reel about this yesterday on Instagram because it applied to sex toys too, but it also applies to lube. Like, what is the purpose? What is the price point that you want to be able to pay for lube? What type of pleasure? Because there's different types of loops or different kinds of things, right? Or mm. what kind of play um, and, and those kinds of questions there. There's also questions about too, like mirror work when it comes to like, what are some different things that I can, I can tell myself in the mirror when it comes to um, sexual confidence and how to show up as like my shameless self confidently. And so it's really about, you know, there might be things in our mind, there might be things in our body, and there's things in like our souls, actually, that we really need to be able to hone in on a little bit more. And so it's guidance to be able to use as a reflectionary tool. I am going to recycle it into a workbook as well. Um, nice. don't know when that's going to happen, but it's going to be nice to be able to have that kind of journaling aspect with it, too, for folks that do want to be able to like pick a card follow up maybe with those questions and write a little bit more for sexual self-care. So there's a lot in there. There's a lot of different sex exercises for intimacy, sex, and pleasure. And I'm just glad that it's a resource out there for folks. And I love using that in therapy and coaching with people and being like, should we end on one of these? And they're like, yes. And it's like, okay, here you go. Mere masturbation. That's what you're doing this week. Have fun. And we'll nice. check in next week how it went. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Now, are these your cards or are they a resource that's already out there? And how how do people get them? Yeah, so they're my cards. Um, so they're at shamelesstherapy.org. They're in my self-care shop that I have online. I only ship them four times a year just because it's easier to get bulk of the product that way. Um, so the next shipment uh, date that people can receive them, I believe, is um, April to May. I would just double check. It says on all the cards, like in the description too, because I have a couple different decks up there as well for reflection. Good. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you, Jackie. We, we so loved having you on the show today. I mean, this episode, like I said before, is just packed full of all kinds of great information. I'm so happy to share with, with all of our listeners. And is there anything else that you would like to say, my love? No, I appreciate it. It's it's nice to have a, a different perspective and a different voice and yeah. and hear some some really solid like communication yeah. and relationship advice, especially surrounding sexuality, because as you said, in this society, we're not really good about talking about sex. And um it's it's nice to have some tools to be able to talk about it with your partner and with potential partners. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, thank you both so much for having me on here too people can definitely get those freebies when it comes to sexual self-care communication if they sign up for my newsletter and follow me on those youtube and instagram platforms as well perfect fantastic thank you everyone i will do that
Hey, have you heard? SDC is more than just a dating site. They have expert contributors and educators like us and from all around the world to guide you in everything from how to talk to your partner about swinging and the different kinds of open relationships. You can also find out what you need to know before opening up your relationship, common swinger conflicts, and how to resolve them. Have you ever wanted to know what a swingers club is like? How to meet other swingers? Find a unicorn? Be a hot wife? Well, you can find all that information as well and much, much more. Check out SDC by clicking the link in the show notes and get your free seven-day membership. 